We're in part three of our series, Gospel. Gospel. And gospel means good news. But not just any good news. It's a royal proclamation, a royal announcement that the, that the king still reigns. This is what good news means. It's the Greek word euangelion or evangelion. I just thought I'd drop it in there and make me sound smarter. I'll just throw that word in there. But it's not just, it's not just any news, because today when we look at our news, news is when we, when we turn on the 6 o'clock news or whatever time you watch the news, it's kind of, kind of bleak, isn't it? We turn on the news and it seems that, in fact, the only good news that's on there is something that's tacked on the end of the news called some, the, the feel-good story, and it's normally some cat playing the piano. So that's the only good news we've got is a cat playing the piano. Um, but it's, it's just really, really bleak. We, we turn on the news and it just seems like we're bombarded with doom and gloom from one tragedy to the next, one tragedy after another. And, and there's so much pain in the world. If you think about our own lives. Like, you know, we kind of like get over our bills and then another bill comes, a car always breaks down at the wrong time. Do you ever find your car breaks down at the wrong time? In fact, there's never a right time. <laughs> I've got to learn there's never a right time either. Uh, and it always breaks down. And, we, and we've just come out of the COVID-19 crisis, the lockdown. Um, some of us really enjoyed it. Uh, and, others, and others struggled, struggled with it. And, you know, I was walking around the base uh, just yesterday, and I was just thinking, wow, you know, it's like business as usual back in New Zealand. But when we look on the news, the world is still facing this. Many countries are still in lockdown. We, we, sometimes we forget how well we've got it here in New Zealand, but it just seems so bleak everywhere. People are dying of this COVID-19. Then there's Black Lives Matter. That, then that kind of took over everything. And that's some very, that's some very important cause, Black Lives Matter, and it's, it's important to be, to be spoken about. And then, then, and then after Black Lives Matter, there's political unrest. You know, we, you never know what Trump is going to say. He always trumps what he says next. But anyway, even in our own country, you know, uh, one day we had a national leader, then the next we had a new national leader. Just like that. You know, it just changes. Unrest is happening. And now we're, f- we're finding this uh, economical crisis that is hitting up, in fact, not just our country, but the world. It just seems to go from, from bad to worse. Where's the good news? Where's the cat playing the piano? Let's just watch that. That's good news. It doesn't seem like there's much good news in the world. So even when we look back to Adam and Eve, when they're in the garden, when Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent when they messed up. It looked like all hope was lost right there in the garden, right where it all began. And it just seemed from bad news, it just went from, didn't go from good, it went from good to worse. It just seemed to go this downward uh, trajectory and even we find that in our lives today. But you know what, what's so amazing? Even though that Adam and Eve messed up, God did not give up on them. Just like that God doesn't give up on you when you make a mistake. Aren't you so glad that God doesn't give up on you? How many of you in this room has made a mistake? Come on. Like, I'll be putting all my limbs up. I was just telling someone, I was really surprised that God would use me to pastor a church with all my mistakes and all my insecurities, that God will use someone like me. But I'm so glad he does. Just like God will use you, even with all your mistakes, even with all your insecurities and all your flaws, God still wants to use you, that you are a big part of God's plan. And he wants to use humanity to bring the reign of God, the kingdom of God, here on earth. The gospel, this royal announcement. So even when, when Adam and Eve messed up, I, I love it because God, God continued to give mankind a glimmer of hope. And he gives this prophecy. God lays it out in Genesis right in the beginning. And he's speaking to the serpent, the serpent who deceived Adam and Eve. And what does God say to the serpent? He brings this glimmer of hope as he's speaking to the serpent. This is what God says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. 
God says this to the serpent, and this is the hope that he gives. He says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman. That's the serpent and the woman. Enmity between you and the woman, between your offsprings and hers. He will strike your head. This is the woman's offspring. will strike the head of the enemy. And you, speaking of the enemy, will strike his heel. So there's this strange kind of prophecy in us, but there's this glimmer of hope that's there. There's this hope in the darkness and that God will bring a savior to end all evil. And how would he do that? By giving up his life where he will strike his heel. Does this sound familiar? Does this story sound familiar? The story that was, that was laid out way in the beginning in Genesis, the story of what was yet to come. So Jesus arrives on the scene. So what does Jesus do when he arrives? He begins announcing the gospel. And what do we know about the gospel? It's a royal declaration. So whenever you read the word good news in your Bible, it's a royal declaration. And what's this good news? That the kingdom of God is at hand. The time has been fulfilled. The time is now. Jesus was making this bold declaration that he was this king that will bring into reality God's kingdom here on earth. He was making this bold declaration. And he's drawing from the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus. And Jesus is drawing from the words of the prophet Isaiah. In fact, this word gospel is rendered as, as the Hebrew verb, as the Hebrew word bazaar, 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 bazaar. I should know that because it's kind of bizarre. But anyway, it's, it's bizarre. And this word bizarre, it's this, it's this, it's this royal declaration that uh, what bizarre means, it means, it's, it means good news, that, but not just any good news, that the king still reigns. That's what this word bizarre means. And so when we read in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, this is what the, the, the prophet Isaiah, this is what he writes. He writes this 700 years before Jesus is born. He says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet. Ooh, beautiful feet. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings Basar, who brings good news, this royal declaration. The Basar, the good news. And what's this good news? The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel still reigns, that God still reigns. This is the passage that Jesus saw himself bringing into reality. He's drawing from Isaiah when he says that he's here to bring the good news, the good news of the kingdom of God. He's drawing from Isaiah the, these ideas, and he's, and, he's, and, he, and he's fulfilling it right then and there before the people around him. And it's really interesting because this, this little setting in, in Isaiah chapter uh, 52, verse 7, it's kind of like Isaiah is painting like a poetic story, kind of like a Western movie. You know, you've got, you've got, you've got the watchman, the on the tower. They're on the town, they're looking, they're searching, they're looking. Because Israel's been through a horrific time. They've been defeated. And it looks like all hope is lost. But the watchmen, they're waiting, they're looking. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for good news. They're looking and they're waiting for, for a messenger. And then up over the hill comes this messenger. And the, and the watchmen are excited. It's the messenger. And this messenger is bringing good news. And what's the good news? That God still reigns, that there's hope in your darkest moment. When you feel all hope is lost, God still reigns, and there's still hope. There's still hope. Even when you hear the news from the doctor that doesn't sound too good, 
As long as there's air in your lungs, there's hope. In fact, everybody take a deep breath now. Hold it as long as you can. No, just kidding. <laughs> breathe out. The fact that you could breathe in and breathe out means there's still hope. This is what the devil, the serpent, the deceiver wants to do, wants to steal your breath. The reason why he wants to take away your breath is to rob you of your hope. And, this is, and right now we've got to make a big decision about euthanasia in this country. The enemy wants to steal breath, take away hope, bring deception. This is what we're talking about, um, these unborn children want to rob them of their hope before they can breathe. As long as there's still breath in your lungs, there's hope. There's hope. And then God still reigns. So these messengers, they're waiting in anticipation. And they see this rider coming over the hill, and he's bringing good news. The good news is this, that God still reigns, even in your darkest moment. Even when you think all hope is lost, God still reigns. And he goes on to verse 8. Oh, in fact, you know, I was just thinking, the title of this message is called Beautiful Feet. Beautiful Feet. In fact, look at the person next to you and say, wow, what beautiful feet you got. Don't look too hard, you might change your mind. Okay. <laughs> if you're at home, look at your own feet. No, maybe don't look at your feet. <laughs> in fact, everybody say, wow, what beautiful feet I have. <laughs> beautiful feet. That's the title of today's message. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news? And that's this phrase that Jesus draws on when he comes announcing this kingdom, this good news, this phrase, this, this basal uh, or euangelion, evangelion, that, that this royal declaration that God is still on the throne and he still reigns. Then we get to verse 8. And it goes, the watchmen shout and they sing with joy. Come on, they've just heard some good news. For before, I love this. You, you do not want to miss, do you understand? This next passage is so powerful. And this is the passage that Jesus is bringing into reality 700 years later. Jesus is bringing this in reality. And this is, this is it. For before their very eyes, they see, who do, who do they see? They see Yahweh. See, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Yahweh. That's God. They see God returning to Jerusalem, that God himself will return. God is the one himself will bring this message that their salvation is at hand, that God still reigns, that the kingdom of God is here. The time has been fulfilled, and God himself will bring it. These passages of Isaiah 52, Jesus is drawing from this, and he sees that he is the one that's fulfilling this passage. And when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he's fulfilling this passage, that God himself... Emmanuel, God with us. That God himself is fulfilling, proclaiming that the kingdom of God is here. Salvation is at hand. Salvation is here. And you know what's even more fascinating? Is the chapter that follows chapter 52. You know what chapter, what chapter follows chapter 52? It's the chapter 53, just in case you didn't know that. 52, 53, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but chapter 53, if, you are, if you're familiar with Isaiah, then you're familiar with chapter 53. Chapter 53 is the suffering servant. And it's this amazing depiction of, when you read this, it's about this, the servant of God coming and, and dying for the iniquities of everybody, being rejected. It's amazing. This is what follows 52. That here we have this, 
the servant of God coming, pronouncing the good news. That God himself will pronounce it. Then 53, then the people will, will reject him. Oh, that, that, that turned dark fast. Everybody's happy now that they're hearing this message. That, that the king himself who's bringing this message, the people will reject him. And the people will have him killed. Isaiah's prophesying this 700 years. And Jesus is reading, is drawing from Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53, and he's bringing it into reality. Jesus knew what was expected of him. That he wasn't just bringing, he wasn't just bringing a message. He was coming to lay down his life to bring salvation to the world. So what does it look like when God reigns? What does it look like when God reigns and rules in Jesus? It looks like a leper being healed. It looks like a woman who's been caught in adultery forgiven. It looks like a tax collector or those who've been rejected by society being welcomed in. It looks like a woman who's spent all her fortunes on her sickness, who has been sick for 12 years with a blood issue, being set free and healed. What does it look like? What does the kingdom of God look like? It looks like compassion. It looks like being aware of the need around us. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what it looks like when God reigns and rules through Jesus, as being aware of the need around us. Think about it. When, to have a powerful and successful kingdom, you need to be strong. You need to be strong. You, you, you need to be able to, to oppress your enemies. But when Jesus turns up, he's like, well, you know, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the weakest. You want to be great? Well, you've got to be the weakest. Oh, and by the way, you've got to love your enemies. And not just love your enemies, you've also got to forgive them. Oh, and also you've got to love and care for the poor. It's this upside-down kingdom. A successful kingdom, especially strong and powerful, to oppress the weak. But in God's kingdom, it's the weak who are strong. Love your enemies. Forgive those. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. So word gets out that Jesus is talking about and he's acting like he's the king of Israel, <laughs> right? And what does he do? He, he, he appoints 12 what? 12 disciples, which is an image of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now he's healing people. He's forgiving people of their sins. Man, this makes the leaders of Israel really angry. And so they plot to have him killed. And what's really amazing is Jesus lets them, let it happen. Which is kind of a crazy thing to do if, if you're trying to set up a kingdom where you, you are the king. Because Jesus understood that he had to die. He had to give himself up because of the condition of, of our hearts, humanity, where we have rebelled against God and has brought us on a place of devastation with God. That's why the gospel messages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels are pointing, it's, a, the, it's called the gospels because the gospel is a royal declaration. That God still reigns. So how does the gospel, how does the gospel talk about Jesus' enthronement as king? The gospels talk about Jesus' enthronement as his crucifixion. At his crucifixion, he was given a uh, he was given he was given a crown, a crown of thorns. He was given a robe. He was exalted, not on a throne, but on a cross, where his hands. And his feet were pierced. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. How beautiful are the feet 
of those that bring good news. Beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. So the good news now is that Jesus has the feet of death. And he reigns as king. That's good news. He's the feet of death. That he dealt with our sin and our corruption himself. And that he conquered it with his life and with his love. This is the good news. And you know what? Jesus has given to his followers, his believers, the church, to keep announcing this good news. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. The king that, will, that defeated death. How did he defeat death? With his love. So here's the application. Let's, let's bring this together. And I love in Matthew. I'm going to read from Matthew 6, verse 33. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus gives out the Beatitude. And the Beatitudes is all about how to live out the gospel. And the Beatitudes go, and, and the Sermon on the Mount go from chapter 6 through to chapter 7. So I love what, he, what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 33. He says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You get to seek first his kingdom. How many people seek their own kingdoms? I'm just going to seek whatever I want, what's right for my life. I don't care what anybody else says. It's about me. It's about me, 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 me. Oh, gosh, my wife is saying, stop there. <laughs> I, was, I had another verse to carry. Anyway, seek first his kingdom. What's his kingdom? What's, what, what does his kingdom look like? God's kingdom is an other's first kingdom. Jesus spent his whole ministry speaking about it's an other's first kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will, will follow you. So put first, reprioritize, reorder, rearrange, rethink. I want you to seek my father's kingdom is what Jesus is saying here, because my father's kingdom is an other's first kingdom. Be aware, pay attention to the need around you. See, what has your attention has you. What has your attention right now? Because whatever has your attention, it has become your king. What has your attention? Is your attention about the kingdom of God? Seek first the kingdom of God. Or is it all about, you know, it's about me and my little kingdom? Whatever has your attention has you. You know, um, three weeks ago, um, my son, he plays for, uh, he goes to Fraser High School, year nine, which is the old form three, for the old school people out there. And uh, he's playing for the under 14s, and, which is awesome. And I, I had coached my son through junior grades from when he was four years old until he went to high school. My retirement, I can just sit and watch Aotearoa um, rugby and my son play rugby on a Saturday now. Uh, he comes home from school um, on a Tuesday, three weeks ago, and he said, the coach has quit, and the team is going to be disbanded, and, um, uh, or they might have to go play for another school. And so my son went to the teacher and said, my dad can coach the team. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he comes home, and he tells me, dad, could you coach the team? And I have to let the teacher know right at that moment. Choose it. And you know, when, you know, what do you do? When my, so, of course, my son comes to me. I'm going to say, What do I say? Yes, of course. Because I'm here to, because I, 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 you know, I'm here to serve my kids. I love serving my kids. So, yes, of course. And then I had messaged the teacher and I sent it away. And you know what? You know what, what dawned on me as soon as I did that was this 
what have I done? <laughs> what? Oh, no. What, I haven't been thinking about rugby. I, I haven't been thinking about anything, game plans or anything like that. And I couldn't sleep. It had my attention. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I was still awake thinking about rugby and thinking, what have I done? Have you ever made those kind of decisions before? But then at 2 o'clock in the morning, I remembered that there's a guy in our church by the name of Caleb Smith. <laughs> he was a rep rugby player. He was a rep touch player. He's on ACC at the moment. He's got some time. So I flick him a text message at 2 o'clock in the morning. He responds the next day, and he tells me, he said, man, when I got a message at 2 o'clock in the morning, I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> I was like, why is the pastor texting me at 2 o'clock in the morning? What did I do? And, and you know, and here's me, me and Caleb. We're, we're coaching the Fraser Under 14s. These boys are big boys. Seriously. The average weight of these boys is 90 kilos. Yeah, I know. They're, they're like twi- they're twice my weight. <laughs> and... Uh, Seriously, um, and so the, the front row, they're, 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 yeah, honestly, they're, 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 honestly they're, they're big boys. They're, you know, they're 13, 14, they're six foot. They're big boys. I'm thinking, what are you guys eating? What are you eating? I want some of it. Hey, no, actually, maybe I shouldn't have. I need that. No, no, actually, I don't need that. But you know what? Um, you know, there was, there was a need. You know, are we aware of the need? It's, a, it's amazing the need that, that appears around you. You know, we had some of these boys spend the night here on Friday night. You know, we come here as little as we did a bit of a rugby analysis and all these things. But it's got also an opportunity we, we, we can share about ourselves and what we're doing in our community as a church. Uh, you know, how beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. And, uh, and uh, our first game is against um, Boys High. So any Boys High boys out there? Watch out. No, just <laughs> take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> boys High, take it easy. Okay. Phrase to represent. <clears throat> anyway, let's get back to the message. <sighs> What has your attention? <laughs> what has your attention? Has you? What has your attention right now? Because honestly, it had my attention. But you know, it's funny. In a way, I see God in this. And I see God's kingdom being aware of the need around. And, and I'm really leaning on God's help right now. <laughs> really, please, please, I'm leaning on God. The parents are saying to me, they're looking forward to the game. I say, hey, look, don't, don't, don't get your hopes up to <laughs> no, We're going to win every game. Yeah, amen. But um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the kingdom of God is an others first kingdom. It's being aware of the people of, of the people around you. How you know whatever has your attention has you. See, church is more than just coming here and feeling good. It's about going forth and proclaiming the gospel, the good news. You have good news. You have good news. You know what's really interesting is that many years ago, when I was working in youth ministry with my good friend Monty Volivaka. And of those who know, Monty Volivaka was here last month, and he, he's, he's a social worker in South Auckland at the moment. He was here, and he shared about his story, what, the, what he's doing in South Auckland. And he's, he's an amazing singer and songwriter. And so years ago, we're, we're down in Waikanae for this conference in Waikanae. And, um, and the van that we traveled in, um, the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the engine overheated. And because of our, maybe our inexperience, we decided to cool down the, this very hot motor with pouring cold water on it. And what happened? It cracked the head. <laughs> so we learned not to do that. Very expensive lesson we learned because all our spending money, okay, boys, here's the hat. Uh, we want to get home. If you want to get back home, put the money, all your spending money in this hat, and we had to pay like $1,000 to get a new motor for this car. Now, which meant we had a few extra days. We were staying in Paraparumu at that time. It was just in this little unit. And we are just lazing about in Paraparumu. I'm just laying on the couch watching um, TV, no Netflix back then. 
No, no, you didn't have a smartphone. That was it was a dumb phone, but <laughs> and uh, and you know, text actually cost twenty cents a text, and it had a certain amount of characters that you could text. Anyway, the good old days, back when we had dial-up. Anyway, and um, and we're just lazing about. One of the boys had this brilliant idea. He said, "Hey, why don't we go on the streets in Paraparumu and let's do let's just worship on the corner?" And I was laying on the couch. And I was thinking, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life." I don't feel like getting out. It was like, it was like, it was the afternoon. I was thinking, oh man, really? Do we have to do this? But because all the guys that I'm with, they're amazing singers, amazing musicians, and then there's me. <laughs> you want us all to go to, and sing on the corner, and then there's me? <laughs> and I was thinking, I wasn't, I wasn't keen, but I also didn't want to be that guy. So I reluctantly went with them, you know, like, oh man, here we go. They find this corner, like, just happened to be everywhere. That everybody can see them. They pull out the guitar. Monty, he's got the, this, you know, Monty's a big man. He's up there and he's playing. The, the guitar looks like a ukulele on him. You know, he's playing. He's playing. And Monty, if you're watching, I love you. I love you, man. I love you. He's got big muscles. Looks like you. Anyway. <laughs> and and, and up, the, up the road was this high school. I didn't know that at that time. And, and no wonder I was tired because it was around 3 o'clock. I had 3 o'clock itis. That's why I don't want to get out of, off the couch. And all the kids, all of a sudden, we were swarmed by all these high school kids. Swarmed us. And, and the boys are singing. Uh, and this is what I'm doing. I'm leaning on the fence like this. Okay, what time are we going? I'm like, when, how long are we going to do this for? You know? And one, you know, this, and one of the boys, they step forward and they go, because when the boy, in the middle of the next song, they go, what are you guys doing? And one of the boys goes, oh, we're singing about the gospel. And so the boy, this is what the boy said. This is what he said, what's the gospel? When someone asks a question, it demands a response. Even though I was leaning on the, on the fence and wanting to go back, and I realized this demanded a response. And so I, I began to share to him what the gospel means. And I, and I use an illustration called the book illustration, one of my favorite illustrations to use with the gospel. And I shared this at Easter, and I said to the boys, well, kind of like this. <laughs> had a Bible. I don't know where I had a Bible from. Anyway, I had a Bible in my hand. It just appeared. Got him. Bing. Oh, I got a book. <laughs> And I said, it's kind of like to say, my left hand represents you. And the Bible talks about there's a book, book of unfavorable debts. And in this book is written everything you've done wrong, everything you said wrong, um, even everything you thought wrong is written in this book. From the time you're born to the time you die. And some of your books are really, really big. In fact, in this book are things that, that you don't want anybody to know. Your deepest, darkest secret, your greatest regrets are written in this book. And this is what separates you from God. And because God is a just God, because He's a just God, that God must punish us for our sins. He's a just God. And this is why God loves you so much that God stepped into His creation in the fullness of Jesus and on the cross. And this is what God did for you as He hung on that cross, as He came proclaiming the good news. Even though He was rejected, by many who heard the news that he came for. And on the cross, all those that believed in Jesus, this is an amazing thing that happened. He took upon himself our unfavorable record upon himself. But not just mine, but every single person from the beginning of time to the end. So you could say that Jesus became the most sinful person that have ever walked the face of the earth. And he did this for you. And on that cross, Jesus died for your sins. Now what's between you and God? For all those who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, what's between you and God? They said nothing. 
And so you have a right relationship with God. The Bible calls this grace. It's a free gift. And just like any gift, you have the power to choose to receive this gift or reject this, this gift. The choice is yours. You know what the, 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 uh, this boy said? He said to me, how do I receive this gift? So I said, well, who else wants to receive this gift? There were all these hands. There's over 20 young people standing there on the street corner, putting up their hands. I said to him, look, it's not about the words we say. It's a decision. It's a decision point. You need to make a decision in your heart that today I'm leaving my life of sin and I'm going to follow Jesus. You need to make a decision. It's more than just saying words. It's a decision point. If you want to make that decision, you need to choose today. And right there and then I led all these young teenagers to come to know Jesus as their king. You know what's really amazing? I didn't want to be there. You know what had my attention? Apathy. Lack of enthusiasm. What had my attention? Was my, me, myself, and I. That had my attention. Me, 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 me. Because my wife, she's not here. I can keep going, maybe. <laughs> what has your attention has you. You know, quite often we say the no's for people for them. We think, nobody in my workplace wants to know about God. Nobody in my school place wants to know about God. Nobody in my family wants to know anything about God. So we say our no's for them. I had no idea. I said, in my mind, I, had put all, I said, none of these young people want to know God. I, put my, I said no for them. When there are people all around us who are crying out for the King of Kings. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. You have beautiful feet. And you carry good news. This royal declaration that Jesus is king and he still reigns.